We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Light Years Podcast, we are back. Good timing today, Sam. Yeah. How many different um, pieces did we get on Giannis <laughs> to the Warriors already? <laughs> but, but we got the man who had the first piece out, the man who had the uh, the quickest eye to the to the budding bromance. Uh, Paulo. Paulo, how do I pronounce your last name from the ringer? Uh, you can do, you can do, you get it. That works. That's the most common one. Paulo Ugetti from The Ringer. Yeah. Paulo, how you doing? Good, good. Uh, how about you guys? Happy, I assume. You know, it's cool, kind of, after we, yeah, after we read the piece. Shit. It's <laughs> kind of weird, you know. I think the Warrior fan perspective was, okay, KD's just flirting with Kyrie for 72 hours straight, not really dampening those New York rumors at all. And then and then on the other hand, you got Steph out there. You know, he's like, okay, you want to go? I'm, I'm going to find someone else right now. It's it's like this weird dating show going on. That's pretty much what All yeah. Star is now. Yeah, no, I was gonna mention like, it, you know, I made the joke that the All Star game was Magic Johnson's like Coachella just because of every possible star being there for him to talk to. Uh, but it really does feel like some sort of like tampering center where it's like a hub of. I mean, like you're putting all these guys together. It's inevitable that some conversations are going to go on, and like. This weekend was pretty much, I think, a good representation of where the league is at in terms of, like, all we care about is what's happening in the future in the transaction world. And, you know, I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if, like, a feature in the summer about Grant going to the Knicks or or some other movement includes a scene from All-Star Weekend where these two players connected, you know? I don't, you know, I I don't know if that's ever been... I don't know if it's different, right? I just think it's yeah. kind of like it, it's how it's how the way social media is now. It's just more fun, right? Bleacher Report blows it up. You know, you guys have tweets about it all day long. Every team yeah. is kind of like trying to read, you know, what people are saying, you know, when, when they're not speaking to a microphone. Um, the other piece is that the Warriors are going to win the championship. So it's almost like, well, we've got to find some other thing to talk about other than, you know, how is DeMarcus Cousins going to help the Warriors win? You know they're third in a row. Right? Yeah. So I, I you guess don't know that. You don't know that for a fact, Andy. They could. They could blow it. They're they're showing some signs of, of dysfunction. <laughs> no. um, but it does. But to Paulo's point, it does feel like every year, like the the curtain is pulled back further. Like 
10 years ago, this was kind of like a thing people kind of knew about, but didn't really talk about. It was like a lot of in, insinuations, like with Woj saying, you know, LeBron and Wade connected at Team USA, but it wasn't like a big thing. Now it's like front and center more and more yeah. every year. Yeah, well, I think Andy's right on that point. Like the social media aspect of it is, does hurry these things along. Like some of these videos that we're getting, you know, with Ky- uh, Kyrie and KD interacting, for example, you know, w- we probably wouldn't get those a few years back or, or at least in the way that they're presented. And then and then obviously they just become retweeted and talked about and, and become like real GM, like news posts, you know? And it's like, it's like what, what, where where what what part of that is you know social media and what part of it is just the the warriors that like with that which i think it's very true like plays into all of this like i, I was thinking you know we talk about how, you know the warriors have ruined the league or whatever but in some ways you can even argue that they've made the all-star weekend much more important because like all we want to talk about is what the next sort of transaction between uh, is coming and how these players are you know, interacting, if we can see any clues here and there and whatnot. Like, I mean, the picture of LeBron and Anthony Davis in the locker room just literally shaking hands and looking at each other, like, was a talking point. Like, you know, it just seems so crazy. Were you uh, were you there for the uh, the game on Sunday? No, no, I didn't, I didn't go to Charlotte. I was there, I was there uh, last year because it was here in L.A., so it was just an easy trip. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those, we're going to talk about it kind of first thing is, you rarely see... Like, it's always fun. It's always, like, cool to see players play with each other. But you do rarely see someone like Giannis just kind of enjoy playing basketball the way that he did with Steph. He started off by saying, hey, Steph drafted me last year, so I'm going to draft him first. Like, kind of like saying, hey, this is my guy kind of thing. And for Steph, I I don't think it's stupid. I think, like, he could have drafted, like, one of the older vets, right? Like, I I think you would have to say, like, maybe Harden's better or something like that. But I think that there's i think sam is going to agree with me on this i think there's a wave of nba players growing up that do respect steph a lot more than a lot of the other superstars just off the way he is as a person and off the way he plays yeah and i think um because steph steph just looks like he has fun playing it's not like a uh it's not like the traditional like I, Jordan would be the first one who came to my mind where it's like about showing how hard you are and how tough everything is. Like he makes the game look more fun, and that might resonate more with younger players than say you know LeBron yelling at them all the time to do stuff. So I do think that kind of plays into Steph's hand, and also he just, he knows who he is. Like Steph's not gonna try to tear some guy up because he knows like no one's gonna. You know, resp- no one's going to take that as as his personality type. Yeah, I mean that's an interesting line of thought because it, it's hard to quantify that, right? Like, how do you quantify fun and not fun? You know, but I do. You do get a sense of that. At least you got a sense of that for most of the game last night. Uh, that one side was clearly having more fun than the other, and I wonder how many what if there is sort of this uh, gap, if you will, between the guys that are like. KD and Kyrie, who are more "quote unquote," you know, like just basketball guys, if you will, where where you have guys like Steph and and Giannis who sort of emote this other artistic, fun uh, way of playing basketball that 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 goes not against you know what the KDs and and Kyries of the world are doing, but just it's an interesting contrast that may be more appealing to some. And I mean, we have we have heard already so many stories this season about. You know, rumors about, oh, like, who wa- who actually wants to play with LeBron, you know, the generation that's coming up. Obviously, you know, it looks like Anthony Davis wants to, but, uh, you know, besides that, I don't know. <laughs> and so let's let's talk about, I was surprised. Uh, I, I woke up this morning, I saw Sam's tweet. Um, so you wrote on the ringer, um, winner, Giannis to go to State Truther. So um, basically wrote that... Um, the whole game was less so about winning the game rather than tampering, which is interesting because um, it seems like LeBron cares about winning, but he also cares and he also wants people to know that he cares um, about tampering and making you know his team the one that players should play for. But it kind of ended up at the end of the day, and, and maybe it's just Warriors fans, but it kind of ended up at the end of the night more so being, damn, 
it would be fun for someone like Giannis to play with Steph. Yeah, I mean, and also just from a basketball perspective, I mean, we all know what Steph can do in terms of gravity and off the pick and roll, and there's just not a better dive man to the rim than Giannis. So just from a basketball perspective, you kind of think about that as like, you know, Steph's never really played with someone who could roll to the rim. He's always playing with like Bogut's, Zaza's, David Lee's, you know. KD is a different type of player, you know, amazing, maybe the best player in the league, but but not that type of player. So it's kind of fun from that perspective too. Yeah, I, mean, I, I didn't expect to uh, to preach to the choir that is, you know, Warriors <laughs> Twitter by, by writing that. But I do think it's hilarious that we're at this point where, you know, we're like, well, Steph has never played with this type of player or that type of player and like that would be cool like as if like he's not already playing with yeah. four other all-stars but but you know like besides the point i mean I, but i do agree with the overall premise i mean like it would be fun to watch them together as we as it was last night and i think a lot of it is coded by um warrior twitter and warrior fan cynicism uh around kd like everyone i just want to find someone who thinks he's returning Everyone kind of goes with the, you know, it'd be great if he did, but I'm not counting on it. You know, it's like a lot of, I don't want to get my heart broken by saying, I think he's returning type of mentality going on. And so it almost yeah. lets a warrior fans like emotionally move beyond it. Like, Hey, we appreciate having him. He's amazing. If he re-ups, we'll all be happy, but, but it doesn't look like it's happening. Well, so let's move to the next thing. Well, how about, well, let, let's, let's kind of ask, well, so Paolo, you, you work at the Ringer, and you work for the biggest Boston Celtics fan of all time. I don't know what I don't know who you root for, but what's kind of your your guys is your fan gauge, right? Like, who's on the staff of the Ringer? A bunch of other Celtics fans, or how does it work? So, like, what is their kind of gauge on all of this, on all the Durant stuff going on in, in Golden State? People sort of seem to think that there is a lot of Boston fandom in the Ringer, but it's actually. <laughs> I would probably guess the two top fan bases are Sixer fans and Knicks fans. There's a lot of Knicks fans. And and that goes, you know, from our social team to like the R people and all that. Like there's a there's a good amount of Knicks fans. And I think like that's been fun to watch, just them dealing with the <laughs> the, the the push and pull of oh, we're letting go the young of the young player in Porzingis who we sort of warmed up to and then like the cold hearted like, well, if this is to get a superstar, like, we're cool with it, but now we have to get one. And so I think it, it is – what Sam said is interesting. Like, you're right. Like, in any other situation, the safe prediction to make, you know, it would be to be like, oh, yeah, like, the guy who's been playing with the team that's won him – that he's won a few rings with is, like – he's like, that's a safe pick to, to, to guess that he's going to return. But I have not even heard anybody even say, like, oh, yeah, like – my guess would be that he comes back. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. And, and that's and that's super fascinating that like you haven't I haven't you don't really see that opinion out there, even though it would be the easiest and like safest bet to make. Yeah, and am, am I, I, in, in an ideal world. And and the whole thing is like, okay, he's two for two in terms of winning titles since he's been here. They're probably gonna go three for three. Outside of uh Draymond, who management would trade tomorrow, uh if Katie asked him to, you know. Like, outside of that whole thing, it's been relatively drama-free. Like, this isn't a Kobe Shaq situation where, like, they're, you know, there's visceral hate. And he's still kind of got a wandering eye. It, it, it kind of just gets everyone thinking, like, well, if winning in a relatively drama-free setting isn't enough, I mean what's going to have him stay here then? You know, like, why is he even looking? Because there's nothing else the Warriors can do. So I kind of feel like that's kind of where it's all coming from. Because, like, I go back to LeBron leaving Miami. Um, I know there was a whole, like, go-home Cleveland story. But, like, I don't think he leaves Miami if Dwayne Wade is still in his prime. It was pretty, like... Wade was Wade's knee was a problem, you know. Um, no one knew the Bosch thing was going to happen, but like clearly that team had run its course in terms of talent. That like a move made sense for him there, and that's not really the case here. This is more just like he's for whatever reason unfulfilled. Hmm. Yeah, it was actually. I mean, oh, go, no, ahead. go ahead. I was gonna say it's actually it was. I mean, it was genius move by LeBron. That that that's the part about like LeBron's moves that I think KD you would say is trying to mirror right like is trying to do like a second coming of 
And I think like it works better from a um, from a championship perspective. But again, if it's not that, then it's not a better move because with LeBron, he can spin all of his moves into a way that makes him the greatest player of all time without actually winning a championship. That's the difference, um, and and that's kind of like his way of subtweeting or st- whatever, telling KD that dude, it's not really about championships, man. You can go to New York, and if you make the you know if you make the finals in New York, it's basically the same thing as winning a title. That's kind of what's gotten into KD's head. Uh, and that's kind of what's caused all of this to where Warriors fans all think he's gone. And even, I mean, as Paolo was saying, a lot of other people don't really believe that he's coming back. And this is not just Warriors fans. I think it's interesting that, you know, when, when the two parties get linked, KD and the Knicks, it's like, why would he go there? Why would he go to New York? They, they have a franchise that's been hugely dysfunctional the last few years. Why, why is that even appealing? And I think it's pretty simple. Like, I see the appeal, like, pretty clearly it's because he got what he wanted in terms of uh like tangential stuff in terms of the titles but none of the intangible stuff that he thought he would get from the titles has come and thus like where what what better place to seek that than in a place like new york where they need somebody like that like even you could even talk about this in context of the all-star game which you know he won the mvp he he had a really good game and and even he said in the you know when they were interviewing him afterwards like oh he, he mentioned how the step shot was going to be the one that everybody was going to talk about and it's like if he goes to new york if he goes to new york like that's the type of place that will appreciate somebody just going for 30 points on on mostly mid-range shots you know what i'm saying because they haven't had that so it i, I it makes sense to me i guess yeah, it's like, I mean, he clearly wants to, and I can't blame him. I, I, I said to Andy, I think he's the best player in the NBA. Um, and that sort of distinction's always kind of like, I mean, any of the top three or four guys can be objectively the best player in any given night because there's just not that big a separation. Uh, but he doesn't get that, like, um, it just is Steph's team on some level. Like, uh, you yeah. know, drafted guy kind of he's probably the reason KD came here because he made the team look so appealing to him um and I think I think that's a lot of it I think KD wants um to be seen as that that guy and I I just don't know how like it's not like the Warriors aren't trying I mean Steve Kerr finds ways to turn every performance into it being about KD like my favorite one was when Steph went for like 48 and had 12 threes (laughs) And he's like, you know who the best player tonight was? Kevin Durant. Eight assists, only one turnover, and that turnover was Steph's fault for not catching it or something like that. And I'm like, dude, you're trying way too you, hard. Sam, you uh, you started this take by saying KD was the best. So when Sam's list, when, when KD's listening to this pod, he's going to be confused. <laughs> but then you end it by talking, you know, good try, valiant effort. But I, I do agree. Um, we, we had next, too, because we're curious about this part is, and we'll get back to KD being being the best in the league, but KD and Kyrie. So we're curious about this, Paolo, because Bill is stressed the fuck out on the timeline. <laughs> he is stressed, and he is just nonstop trashing Kyrie, and then he's trashing New York, and that I mean, tells is he me trashing that he's New York worried by literally just repeating their history. Stating the, the facts. <laughs> I don't think that's trashing. Stating that's like, that's like me going on Wikipedia and just kind of copy-pasting. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, well, did I have a question? Yeah, how much does he know, Paolo? He, he knows that Kyrie's gone. Oh, I have no idea. To be honest, <laughs> like, I, I have no idea. I mean, like I said, you watch those videos and it's like they look like they want to play together. And that sounds super simple, but it's like maybe that's just all it comes down to. Like we, you know, this era of super teams. Like uh, at some point, it, it just comes. It boils down to that, which is like, oh, these two guys admire each other, which is very clear. Like KD loves Kyrie, and why not get together and try to win the title? You know, it's just like it, it seems like they want the same things, but or have been looking for similar things and haven't fully found them. You know, because even Kyrie in Boston. You know they haven't won. A, they haven't won a title, but it seems like the way the season is going, he hasn't. What he envisioned hasn't been what's actually happened on the court. So you know, it seems like they're just both searching, and it's like, all right, let's uh, let's search together, kind of thing, I guess. So I have I have a thought on the two of them that I haven't actually even shared with Andy. Are 
I think they are pretty much identical personalities, games, everything. Obviously, Katie's seven feet tall and Kyrie's six three, but like just the way they see basketball, they're obviously they both have that ability to completely compartmentalize and. Uh, people would call them clutch, but they have that like Kobe type of like never too the moments not too big for them. They also have like the downside of that where they're moody and um, can you know when they're in a bad mood they can't hijack the offense and um, you know just kind of want to go one on one in the mid range on people because they're that good. Um, and I'm kind of fascinated by how that whole thing would play out because you can see why there's mutual admiration between them. But I don't know that like your mirror image is is always the best person for you to be with. <laughs> I was gonna say it's kind of like too similar. You know what it is? I think they watched the Houston Rockets too. Maybe not they. Maybe KD. And I think that with actually, you know, we probably should talk about that Steph quote with James Harden. Um, but kind of with how James Harden's doing it, quote unquote, by himself, right? And then he has Chris Paul. I think that that's how they want to play both KD and both Kyrie, they want to just go your turn, my turn for 48 minutes a game. And they get numbers. You're putting up crazy numbers because if you look at KD And right highlights now, because they're both ridiculous. Yeah, I, absolutely. And and so I think that's what they want. And so, Okay, so here's here's how I dovetail it in. It's it's So KD comes to the Warriors, right, and he wants to play the quote-unquote beautiful basketball kind of thing, right, uh, after playing with Russ where he goes iso ball. And now, let's say he's leaving the Warriors to go play iso ball again with Kyrie. Um, and then you have Steph, who I don't know if he was trying to get caught saying it. Either way, it's on camera. He says to uh, Budenhoser that James Harden told him, Steph, that he was a little bit tired of playing hero ball, um, that he wanted to play more of kind of how the Warriors wanted to play, which I found fascinating um, because, well, number one, I don't think I've ever actually heard James Harden talk. Um, and number two, I thought that's kind of what Harden wanted all the time. Oh, I did, I did see that. That was kind of that was interesting. I I don't know what that was Steph about. Was I was snitching. a little confused. Yeah, <laughs> I was a little a little confused by that. Um, you know, the funny thing is, like, you're talking about this, like, the style that Ky- the Curry and Katie like to play, and like, here's the thing, like, that style is really good for the playoffs, as you guys have seen from a Warriors perspective with the shots Katie has made in the last two finals. You know, and, it, and and so I wonder if we're you know like because I know that the, the rhetoric the rhetoric is the Warriors are infinitely more fun and maybe more successful when Steph is the focal point of the offense, but like when it comes down to it, I wonder if we've gotten to a point in the in in, in basketball in the NBA where we are undervaluing that like style we don't like watching so much. Yeah, actually, now that um, pulling it back to the two teams and how the two different teams had such distinct different personalities for the All-Star game, it almost seemed, I mean, not the whole way through, but just like when you think Steph, Giannis, Embiid, guys who like want to play in a system, want to move the ball, want to play almost like more of an international style and like you with with Giannis and Embiid there's like the the soccer aspect to it too because they're international um and they they both have said you know they grew up playing soccer first and then they you know grew two feet taller than everyone else um and then on the other hand you got like Kyrie KD LeBron's different but he falls into the same mindset of like the classic American approach to basketball. I almost wonder if it's, if it's kind of that divide between the two and that's where KD's kind of, um, I know he, he, I mean, I don't know, but like <laughs> Ethan, Ethan wrote it and pretty much everything I've seen has kind of insinuated that like he kind of gets annoyed that like when he bought into the system, he didn't quote unquote get the credit he thought he deserved. And that's probably what's pushing him to want to go back to playing the way you know, he's like, well, I got a lot more credit in OKC when I played this way. You know, I buy into their ball movement thing and, you know, no one gives me credit. They just kind of say, you know, wow, look at what Steph and Kerr created. Yeah, look at what, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. And it's kind of like, it's all about the credit, it seems like, you know. And and that, like, I can relate to that from, like, a very human standpoint, right? And, like, I, it, obviously it's a lot different because he's a – superstar basketball player that everybody knows and it's like and it becomes sort of like a 
uh, a negative on him in, in in this whole situation. But it is pretty fascinating how how uh, how um, sorry somebody came in. My bad. <laughs> um, All good. It is pretty fascinating how he has never been satisfied. It doesn't seem like he's he's been satisfied. And I just, you know, you wonder if it in place like New York, that that is something that, that will happen. <laughs> he'll, get, he'll get a lot of credit and then he'll get, you know, criticism if things fall apart, I think. Means they were right. arguing that, that he might not even, you know, make the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever. Right. It kind of, I guess it's kind of dependent on the team, but you know, a lot of a lot of it is credit. You know what? With oh, Steph, I think, I think like, if both he and Kyrie went to the Knicks, they'd be the best team in the East. Yeah, keep in mind Kyrie's got to stay healthy too. That that's the other thing because yeah. he's he's kind of like like Steph, where like he could actually Steph's been a little bit healthier than Kyrie. I but mean, in general, having your team tied to a guy to the smallest guy on the court is not the greatest thing physically. You know, it's just kind of. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like I'm rooting hardcore for this to actually happen because I need I, I like I miss being interested in like actual basketball games, you know? Like that that that's not something now we have to grasp with straws and like random videos about oh, is this player gonna join up with this other player? And I feel like, you know, like I love I still like love watching the games and whatnot and they're interesting, but I, I need some some meaningful basketball back in my life. <laughs> no, that's uh that's about right. So Let's uh, let's get out of here with. Uh, well, why don't we go with kind of your favorite? What was your favorite thing to see over uh, on All Star Weekend? Besides Steph and Giannis, we know that was the number one thing. But beyond that, honestly, it was John Collins trying to jump over that plane. Like just <laughs> the absolute. Like I, res- it was terrible, but I respect it so much because he just went for it. And you know, I don't know if you listen to like. Uh, Win horse pod because he did like a day of pod of tracking like all the stuff on Saturday and he had an interview with John Collins about like getting ready to jump over the plane and whatnot and he was like oh this is gonna be great this is gonna be like the best dunk ever and it's gonna win the and it's gonna win uh, the you know the slam dunk but it, it just failed miserably but I just respect him so much so I got, I got to ask a follow up yeah. do, do you think he practiced it because for me the minute I saw him put the glasses on, then immediately take it off. I'm like, Oh, he, he didn't even try the glasses on before. Like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta That's try once. Point. <laughs> I believe if in the, on the pod, it, they, they said that he actually practiced it and nailed it during their practice run. So like, I don't know what was happening during the actual one, but yeah, that was, that was a little worrisome I, when he's like, Oh, I, you can't even use the goggles. It's like, maybe you should have thought of this a little, uh, a little earlier. <laughs> It's funny because I didn't even watch the dunk contest. By far the worst. <laughs> By far the worst. It was thing great. That... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, hey, Paolo, thank you for jumping on. Uh, telling Sam we got to get our minorities quota up. So we appreciate you doing <laughs> yes. that for us. Thank you, Do you sir. have anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Um, no, just, you know, I'm, my personal last name is my Twitter. So follow that. And, you know, I'm just writing a lot these days. Uh, the NBA doesn't stop even though there are no games. So just <laughs> check that out. All right, man. We'll Thank get you, you, sir. We'll get you back on during the playoffs or something. Have a good one. All right. It's ad time. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can be rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. From stress, getting life insurance should not cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. If you don't know how to spell it, like Sam, that's E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com. And the code is SMET-STRESS-FREE. S-M-T-E STRESS-FREE. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. 
Go to harrys.com slash blue wire to save ten out ten dollars on a value trial set, which includes ten dollars. <laughs> five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just three dollars shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. And for me and Sam, we saw our boss, KJ, on Instagram actually trying the razors, shirt off and everything. So Harry's has fixed shaving by combining... By the way, I saw the the after, cleanest shave I've ever seen. Cleanest design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. So yes, Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade flat factory in germany that's been making quality quality blades for over 95 years so join the 10 million who have tried harry's claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash blue wire all of harry's blades come with a 100 percent quality guarantee if you don't ever shave let them know they'll give you a full refund again harrys.com slash blue wire to redeem your razor for three dollars all right, we're back um, after another great couple of ad reads by myself. Um, so let's uh, thanks for Paolo. Thanks for wow, Paolo for jumping on. But uh, let's talk about this because we talked about it for only a couple of seconds at first. But you had this take about a year ago, um, and now it's it's making sense. Maybe it made sense then too. But Kevin Durant is a better player than LeBron James, and perhaps the best player in the NBA. And it's not just something that is something that should have happened now when he won the MVP, uh, All-Star MVP, but should have been so a couple years back. So so tell me what's going on. Okay, so first off, I, I don't think the separation's that big or anything. Like LeBron can outplay him mm. on a specific night. I don't think we've reached that point where one player is so far ahead of anyone else. But objectively, my thought is I need to see LeBron like outplay him more than once every eight games. To, to think he's the better player. Um, the, the numbers are always going to kind of look even, if not skew in LeBron's way because of the way they play. But anytime they match up, I mean, it's defense is just far and away KD's better at this point in their career. You know, peak LeBron was probably the better defender. Or no, not probably. He definitely was the better <laughs> defender of the two. Like Miami Heat LeBron defense was Oof. out of control, right? Um but with that said, I, I think really the only advantage LeBron has is passing at this point. Like he's he's a better point guard than KD, but I don't think he's so much better at it that his advantage over KD is that big. Let, let me take this a step further. Would the Lakers be worse if they swapped him right now? <laughs> um, absolutely not, because KD's easier to play with. Would um, and and on, on a different level, I'm not sure the Cavs last year would be worse either, because they played a pretty gimmicky style where he just walked back and didn't even try on defense. Like obviously they'd lose LeBron's passing, but give let KD ISO with four guys standing on the perimeter, he's going to drop forty every night. You know. So I'm not I'm not even convinced that last year's Cavs team, which beat Oladipo and Jason Tatum and Demar Derozan, oh yeah, yeah, was necessarily. I mean, I mean, it was really impressive, and that was a lot of conserving his body to win seven game series when he had to. I don't think KD would have had to conserve his body, and I don't think any of those teams were that impressive. Correct, absolutely correct. And the other thing is. I think KD plays much better with better players, and LeBron does not. And I think with worse players, LeBron's probably better because, like you said, he's a much better decision maker and passer. But at the end of the day, are we are we talking about being like a third place team, right, or a nine seed, which they're at right now, or a championship team, right? Which is what. Yeah, and I'll take a step further. When Steph was out, the Warriors had like a hodgepodge unit with like Damian Lee. Jonas Jarebko, just like a not a very good unit at all because Draymond was also out. Um, they, had, they just had a lot of bodies out. They didn't have any shooters. And KD was going for 40 a night with nothing around him, you know, other than Clay. So, I mean, it's easy to make fun of those Cavs teams last year, but like end of the day, J.R. Smith, George Hill were infinitely better than anything KD was playing with in that little small air, you know, fifteen game span when Steph was gone. And and Clay was struggling. 
Yeah, and and all I'm saying is, I mean, do you, I do you not think he couldn't eat on Harden LeBron type usage? He couldn't just do what he wanted. Like I I think he can. I don't think there's any reason he couldn't. I don't think it's the best way to use him. But it's not like he couldn't eat. He couldn't take that role. So that's the problem. That right there is the problem. It, it's because he can do it. We know he can do it. I think. You know, GMs and execs and coaches and, and smart people um, in the league knows that he can do it. I, I for sure think Steph and Steve Kerr does. But you know who doesn't? <laughs> it's it's the uh, it's the people with 200 IG followers and Twitter followers. They don't think he can do it because you know why? They just want to piss him off, right? Uh, it's kind of like me saying that KD's going to leave. Those people, um, they don't think he can do it because they're mad that KD went to the Warriors. And so now he doesn't average 35, seven and seven because he doesn't have to, because he's good enough. He's also unselfish enough where he can just kind of sit back and shoot 18 times a game and make 10 of them every single game. Um, and then when he tries, and I think this is the underrated part, everybody's like, Hey, listen, when, when LeBron, when LeBron is activated, he's the best player in the league. Ha- have we not seen KD try? KD doesn't try on defense in the regular season. But every time we seen him, like in 2016, when he tried on defense, he completely erased Draymond. And, and that was when Draymond was good on offense, right? In 2016, he was really good on offense. And KD completely erased him from the entire series. Um, when KD is activated, him on offense is better than LeBron. And him on defense is better because he's not only locking up harder on the perimeter, but he's also protecting the rim at the same time. That's not all, something all that stuff you can LeBron see. used to do, by the way. He just he just can't do it anymore. Which is that I think yeah. this is what's funny about it. It reminds me of people saying Kobe was better than LeBron in 2010. When you're like, come on, you know, <laughs> this is living off reputation. And I, I kind of think this is probably just how it goes. You know, like Kobe was. Draymond said that before. Yep. Yeah, Kobe was kind of known as the better player probably two years longer than he should have been. Um, And I feel like that's kind of what we're dealing with with LeBron and KD. Um, LeBron's still one of the two or three best players in the league, and he could still be as good as anyone on any given night. But, like, if you're talking consistency, um, I don't know that he's as good as KD in 2019 or in 2018, you know? Um, and he's slightly worse than he was in like 15 or 16. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of what's supposed to happen. Like, I I think you can acknowledge that while saying it's also amazing how good he is considering he's, you know, not what he was, uh, at his absolute peak. Like he, he masks it better than any player I can think of. Yeah. You you know, okay. So I'm going to talk about Steph. If that's cool, are, are you done with the are you done with the KD stuff? Yes, I'm gonna bring this to stuff. <laughs> um, so I think um, in terms of in any given series of who a best player can be, I think Steph's ceiling is probably the highest because he can win. Um, he can win a game in five minutes. He can win a game in six minutes, and he can take over so fast and completely change something so fast that you really have you can't game plan for it. Um, so I think that. In a vacuum, you'll probably say those two guys are better. Um, but I think that Steph has that ability to just completely fuck everything up. You know? Yeah. In, in, and I actually like just a, I just hate comparing them because the, the styles are just – like what they do is just so different, you know? It's almost like comparing like – you know, comparing Duncan to like, you know – Kobe and LeBron in like 07 or something like that. You're like, it's just, it's such a different way of playing the game. It's like hard to really make that comp. Yeah. I I think it's, I think for me, it's, it's, I almost look at it like from a, uh, like we've seen it happen. We've seen it in front of our eyes kind of perspective. Like we saw 2015, 2016, um, in that in that Thunder versus Warriors series, man, that was like that was probably my favorite playoff series ever, um, because that was truly the only time I was thinking about it this morning. It was truly the only time I thought that the Warriors could lose or should lose, um, and that was because of Durant. I never thought against LeBron that the Warriors should lose. Right, even though you know in that game seven, not for a moment did I ever think like, oh man, they're gonna lose this game. Like, I never thought that. I don't know if you did. But against the Thunder, I, I truly felt like, yo, like, 
they've got the size. They can't really stop KD here. Like, they're going to lose this series. Uh, that was the only time ever these last four years. that, And that's because of Durant. Right, even though, and it's also because of Durant that they won um, when he turned the ball over and couldn't make any shots in Game Six and Seven. But um, so, I, I think I think that series speaks a lot. That one series speaks a lot. Yeah, everyone, um, it, it drives uh, non-warrior people insane. But everyone around will generally say that team was better than the Cavs. Um, two th- two thoughts to answer you the minute festus got sub backed it sub back <laughs> in in game 7 is when i was like oh god we're going to lose that was a moment like i didn't feel good about it he immediately fouls lebron all uh, of a sudden it's a tie game with like 3 minutes to go or something that's the moment i was like they're really going to trick this away um but i was feeling good up until festus came back in and i'll never forget it when i saw festus at the scores table he had the most shook look in his eyes Ugh. like you know the look when like you've played with someone and they do not want to be in the game that's exactly what he looked like and that's why it, like it took me like a season plus to get to to trust Kerr. and even then like anytime something goes bad i like fall back into my like very bitter habits because like <laughs> I don't know how he you can be as emotionally intelligent as Steve Kerr and look at that guy and everyone in the arena can see he was he should not have gone back in the game, you know? Yeah. yeah. And like I'm not even mad at Festus. The dude missed like 3 months and when he came back he just wasn't the same. But it was, you know, situationally like just don't put him back in there. Um, <laughs> you know, anyway. I, I think I think I think you know I I with Steve Kerr, he's human too, right? Like he probably got shook too. I think that moment I think he was, was probably too big. I think he was just like, I mean, he was, I think he was doing the I believe in you type thing when it's like, <laughs> dude, dude, there's four minutes left in the season. This isn't, this isn't like, uh, you know, like lessons. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's kind of who he is too, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's also I mean, why he's great, you know, but. Trip, trip down memory lane that we, uh, that, were you at the game? You weren't at the game, were you? I wasn't at that one. Um. I was, was gonna say you had to if you saw the look in his eyes in person. Oh, that is piercing. Um, I but what uh, I was gonna well no because I would have never. It's so hard to you know unless you're like within twenty feet of a guy you can't like see facial expressions that well. So it's definitely like a TV thing, and I had to rewind it like five times to make sure I wasn't crazy. <laughs> um, well, that I was there, so I I didn't cover Game Seven Cavs. I I was at EDC. Surprisingly, not surprising. I was there for Game Seven though. Um, and against OKC, um, yeah, that was it. Game five. No, I missed game five. Um, was there for game seven. It was incredible, though. Like, that was one of the things where, same as the Houston, um, same as that Houston, uh, game seven or sorry, game six, um, just really quiet, like throughout the first half, just really quiet because yeah, the, the Warriors were, were struggling, yeah. yeah. And yep. and Kerr yep. went to the full bench mob when they were down 10, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> But the, but it worked. That was the funny part. I'll always say everything that worked in Game Seven versus OKC didn't work versus Cleveland, and I would call it honestly just like a gambler's bet either way. Uh, yeah. Um, like yeah. like Anderson Verja had big moments against OKC in Game Seven, um, and we know. <laughs> um, but but to your point, that OKC series will always. Um, yeah, that I've never seen the Warriors that physically dominated. Uh, that was the thing that stood out to me. So, like, they they tricked away game one because they had that wand, and then they did that, you know, the thing they're notorious for, which is they start messing around and a team coming yep. back on them. Um, and they, they thought they could just kind of, like, ratchet it up yep. at the end yep. to get the win, but it didn't happen. So they lost game one. They won game two. And those two in OKC were just like, oh, my God. Yeah. There were, like, 30-point. Like, I don't think the final scores were 30, but, like, OKC got it up to 35, something like that, when they wanted to. And then, you know, and then the backups come in and who cares what the final score is. It was not like, but it was not like, um, you know, when the Cavs would beat them, it'd be like, yo, we're we're chucking up threes, I think, in 2017, too. Like, we'll make a franchise record worthy of threes, right? We'll make this, like, we'll we'll get a crazy amount of foul calls. We'll do these things that you just won't happen again. Like, that's not what was happening in game game three and four. They were just being physically dominated. Just being dominated. Yeah, and it was just like, oh, my. But like, like Steph, Steph is getting crushed off ball, and he's like, and like he can't move, and like Clay, like he's missing or whatever. Clay he's can't like, get separation. He yeah. just this is crazy. And Draymond and, and, was just like a non-factor. Yeah, yeah, and that was what that was when, um, 
you never felt like you could stop KD on offense, but that was when I was like, man, you can't actually, you're like, KD, you, you can't actually go up against him on offense like when he's on defense either. Um, yeah. And the craziest part is KD had one step out the door um, playing against the Warriors. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm like, man, don't count your, count your chickens for this playoffs. <laughs> um, what I was going to say is, yeah, I remember I was at game five and the Warriors won game five. Uh, but it wasn't a convincing one. I thought it was kind of one of those like, okay, so they're not going to lose four one. Yep. And yep, then um, yep. game six, obviously, um, you know, Clay gets all the credit, but the Warriors' defense in the second half was the best defense I've ever seen them play because of the opponent. Like Iguodala and Draymond were left it all on the court. You know, yeah. like it was just. And then game seven. Um, well, well, know, well. Let's talk. Well, game, game seven. You know, no one, no one, no one mentions that Steph outplayed KD and everyone in game seven oh, yeah. and went for 36, eight and five and hit every difficult shot possible because, you know, he doesn't play well in good, in big games. <laughs> you remember they were down early in game seven. We we're talking about it at first and, and Steph had a great game six too. It's not like he was terrible in game six. Like that was, that was, I felt like it, it took so much out of both teams. I think even if OKC at one day might've lost in the, uh, in the finals too, it was just, that was, that was the best series in, in probably what the last four years of NBA basketball. Like, I, I, I mean, I th- non Warrior fans probably think the finals was, but uh, <laughs> but I do think sure. the uh, the OKC series. I, I mean, it's I don't know a single Warriors fan who doesn't like light up talking about that series. Like that was that's their favorite moment of the whole era. Yeah, and it's the best. The funniest part, it didn't result in, in any championship. It was more. Well, it that, might result. It might result in three, to be honest. So. Yeah, that 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 is that is true. Uh, even though some people do think that KD would have come anyway, and and it does seem like at this point, you know, like sometimes I think about it with the way that KD is and the way that you know he uh, is partnered with Rich Kleiman. You know, I am kind of to believe, like, dude, even if the Warriors won, I think maybe KD would have gone anyway. Like to the Warriors anyway. I, I do think there, at least, is a fifty fifty percent of that actually happening if the Warriors had won that championship. Um, because I think with KD, he just didn't think of what people would say. Like he just had no idea how people would feel about it. And I guess it's not really his fault. But I think that that's the other thing that would have hurt him is that if the war, it would have been good for the Warriors that if they won, I think KD probably would just been like, well, that's cool. I'll still come through. Like I'll still win, and people will still like think I'm great for it. And unfortunately, that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked a lot about KD. We've probably racked up about a thousand hours of KD talk in the last year. Ten thousand um, hours of KD. We've perfected it. Yeah, <laughs> good throwback. Um, <laughs> end of the day, like I think we both think he's probably going, but neither of us would be surprised if he stayed. It would actually be hilarious. If he stuck it to everyone and and stayed, you know, um, and, and that's just kind of like I, I don't think he will. I, if you if I had to make a bet, but like he's just that unpredictable, you know. There's would no... you rather have Would you rather have Giannis or KD? KD. I would rather have. Let me put it this way: um, if if both contractual terms are the same, I take KD ten out of ten. Um, but since it doesn't seem like it, like I'd rather have Giannis committing to a four year off the bat than KD going one and one just for the, the peace of mind team building aspect of it. Cause KD is the better player. KD is always going to be the better player. Um, true. Well, no, true. Actually, well, you know, at no, some, at some, right. at some point KD will be 36 and Giannis will be like 30. But, yeah. But, right, yeah. But I, but I don't yeah. think Giannis is ever going to be better than maybe, of course, maybe, of course but not. I don't he'll, think he'll so. never be, he'll never be better than peak KD. No, um, I don't think so. Yeah, and, th- and that's fine. I mean, we're talking about a guy who probably should retire top ten all time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, th- it's one of those things where um, you know, if I was, if 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 they're both committing for the same amount of time, I'm taking KD. Um, right. Okay. Because it's proven. Yep. But if you're saying KD is going one and one, or I can get Giannis on a long term, do I just rather have the long term and you know, see what I can do around it? Right. Yeah, I mean you're you're right, and and actually my my uh, hedge was going to be like I think Giannis is just a better person to play with, just from an emotional standpoint, right? But I think that clues into you know what contract that they're signing because I think Giannis is probably going to be 
someone that's going to say, you know, who knows? Maybe we're projecting it, but I think he's more likely to be someone that says, "Hey, I, I either want to be." A I mean, I think we, I think we are. I, pro- I think we're projecting it because Giannis is twenty four. KD was twenty four when they went to the final. Actually, it was twenty three when they went to the finals against the Heat, and everyone thought they were going to, you know, that was going to be a rematch twenty years in a row, and KD was the guy next door and like, you know, like his approvals were basically Giannis levels right now. So you never say never with that sort of stuff, you know, like, (laughs) I mean, you do remember KD in like 2011, 12, and it was just like, this guy's like, who could dislike him? Right. Well, he was, yeah, he was adored. That was when he had his, his, his kind of branding. Yeah. His branding was done right too, though. Like, I mean, everybody's always going to be loved, but like, look at Steph. He was loved. He received a little bit of backlash, sort of, but he's still universally loved pretty much. Yeah. Um, and with KD, it just flipped. Um, you know, well, I everyone, everyone's loved on the rise. And then at some point, there's got to be some sort of, you know, um, they got to pick you apart before they you inevitably Mark- before they inevitably pretend they never did and, and love you again. <laughs> yeah, that that is how it works. You think Marcus read our tweets? And then wrote that Steph to Giannis piece. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We're, we're Marcus's ghostwriter. We're we're Apollo's ghostwriter. I mean, Woj Woj's tweets. I mean, I tell Woj what to tweet. <laughs> uh, we've got what we've been going on for about forty five minutes here. Let's let's spend the next five ten minutes or so and just talk about kind of things that we want to see because the second half i guess technically even though there's only like 25 games left um it's coming but but it's it's go the time home stretch the, Warriors. the home stretch yep i think it's go time i think this is serious i think it's now like we're truly watching the games and trying to see like okay what's actually going to happen in the postseason and not to get really like dunked on style but i am curious to see what steve kerr does with Jarebko and alfonso mckinney um because when the playoffs do start Come on. how who's he gonna <laughs> Is, was that not the right way to start this? Um, <laughs> not a fan. Not a fan of my McKinney versus Jarebko take. You don't like that one? <laughs> I'm just dying. Um, what I was going to say is, dude, they're going to be the 10th man on the bench. They're not going <laughs> to. Like, here's here's how the playoff rotation is going to shake out. You got the starters. You got Iguodala. You got Livingston. Um, you got Looney, you know, the new three wise men, the, the three old guys, even though Looney's the youngest guy in the roster. But it actually makes sense, yeah. yeah. But it actually makes sense. Um, and, then, and then he's going to throw in either McKinney or Jarebko, depending on the opponent, whether he wants more of a wing or more of a big shooter. Come on, ninth men. Come on, and ninth men, Steve Kerr, playoffs makes sense. That's about playoff. it. That's about it. It's not like I, Kerr's going to ride the starters 40 minutes a game. Um, the only thing I'm concerned about, know is about Boogie, that. honestly, Boogie is my concern. That's the only thing. Like, um, I don't know what kind of physical shape he's going to be in. You know, this was always going to kind of be the concern with it, and it didn't really matter. Um, and it probably still doesn't matter. But like, end of the day, it's just him and Looney and Jordan Bell at the big position. Yeah, but I mean, even if he does get hurt and doesn't play, they'll be fine regardless. I don't think. Well, you know, maybe not against Stephen Adams. You know, yeah, not. you don't want to. You don't want to. I mean, they they'd be fine with a Zaza type, but they need. They just need someone who's big. You know. Well, they got. They, well, I mean, buyout season's coming up. Like, if they could squeeze out Robin Lopez and, and put him on the roster, then it's like, okay, there's really nothing you have to worry about, right? Because then, because then now you got the size. If if Cousins doesn't have it, or if he gets hurt. Um, you have the backup size. You have like you're always gonna have shooting because you can just stretch Steph and Clay and Katie out to 40 minutes a game, like so you'll always have shooting. Um, so I think that's probably the only thing from a roster perspective. Um, I think the, the the curious part, man, fuck. I was just gonna say what I should talk about, and then went right back to KD. <laughs> I was gonna say how how is the team gonna function, you know, with KD. Um, and it's kind of weird emotionally. It's funny how we talked about almost an hour. It was all KD, and then we're trying to switch it, and it goes right back to KD. Man. Yeah, I mean, Draymond's right. He just he just hijacked the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's there's really nothing you can think about. Um, outside of that, well, I mean, I don't know, man. We're kind of searching for stuff. Steph, is he, he struggled for the last couple weeks. Well, I mean, everything that's going on is, yeah, so he looks like he's got a little bit of dead legs, but also putting Boogie in there is another guy who takes the ball out of his hands. 
Um, it's just kind of it's natural. You were worried about that. It it is worrisome. I agree. Now I I do think it is worrisome, but I don't know. Um, They'll adjust. I'm not too. The, what I'm mostly worried about is, um, you know, Boogie looked uh, banged. Or, I mean, he just he looked like a dude off an Achilles against more athletic bigs who are bigger than him. If you you haven't been to Oracle since he started um, playing, but like watching Boogie live, he's plotting out there. It's and it's one of those things that shows more. I mean, it shows on TV too. Like he's trying, but like he just. It's going to take him a minute to get that Achilles back. The idea, like, he he's still good. He's still helping, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, hey, if he wants to take a little bit more time and, and you know, rehab in the Bay Area next season, too, works for us, um, that'd be nice. Uh, okay, so we got scheduled next week is they got the Kings on Thursday, or this week, Kings on Thursday and Rockets on Saturday. I forget that after the All-Star break, the, the, the NBA schedule makers load up on good games. So it'll be, um, it'll be a lot of... Uh, uh, I think they've got a couple OKC. You know, it's games funny. I don't too, think right? I don't think that um, Sacramento the night back was seen as a good game, but I'm actually very hyped for it. <laughs> uh, well, you're are, a low key Kings fan this season. I mean, I've always had a soft spot for the Kings. One of my best friends a Kings fan, actually, a couple of them. Um, so I'm always gonna. And then second off, you know, obviously I like them more than I like the Lakers in the early OOS. Like every other Warriors fan, you know, just anyone who's up. Anyone who's up against the Lakers, you got to cheer for. Um, but they are fun more than anything. Like De'Aaron Fox is legit. Buddy Heald is is really good. Um, they they're well coached. They're they're a good team. It'll be a fun game more than anything. I don't know anyone who's watched the Kings play and not like walked away like, man, that's a good, that's a fun team. You yeah. didn't mention Harrison Barnes, our guy. Oh yeah, our either. guy. Come I mean, on, I'm, I'm hoping we can get him back when KD leaves next year. Bring him back. <laughs> Yeah, get Dealey out of retirement too. Full squad, <laughs> bring the whole team back. Hashtag um, full squad. <laughs> Harry B, veteran presence too. Wow, um, that's weird. To say. It is funny. I, guess, I, right? um, I was texting with my uh, my buddy who's a Kings fan. I won't throw his name or anything out there, but um, you know he hasn't watched as much Harrison Barnes as you or I have in in the sense of how could he? Unless he's watching every Warriors game religiously, right? Um, and he's, his takeaway is like, yeah, he's, he's good. He just should never dribble. And I'm like, yeah, but he wants to dribble. <laughs> and that's the problem. <laughs> uh, for those that made it this far, uh, always a treat to hear us talk about the Kings. To be fair, I've watched more Kings this season. They're good. Which is probably like eight games uh, than I have in the last like five seasons. Um, and I, I just need more. I cannot believe this. I need more Marvin Bagley minutes. I just want to see more Harry Giles. I don't even care. And you know I, I love this guy, Bogdan. You know I love guys like that. Yeah. You just, you, just, you well, know. Bogdan's young still. So, um, But they're different <laughs> players. I agree. Bagley, I actually like what uh, Jaeger's doing in terms of like just he, he's doing the I'm not going to overplay you until you do the right things thing with young players. Um, which is which is underrated. Yeah, I mean it's it's dependent on on you know what what the coach kind of it's similar to Steve Kerr. I I tend to disagree with that. I I tend to kind of instill want my coach to instill more confidence in young players and just let them play and play through it. But I also think it's dependent on the player's mentality. Patrick McCall doesn't have confidence, so you want him to keep playing. And maybe Bagley, someone that seems like he has a lot of confidence, right? So you want to kind of pull the reins back, pull the reins a little bit. Um, and, and make sure he's playing the right way. So it, it is I interesting. Will, I will say the Kings, I, that works if you have a good culture. The Kings needed to establish a culture, and you can't establish a culture by, like, letting young guys do terrible. Like, for the Warriors, doing what you said with a Bagley or a McCall makes total sense, you know? Um, and they're not comparable talents, just to be clear. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, that makes, that makes sense. But for... Uh, for a team like Sack, who's been kind of in the wilderness, not, um, you know, this is like their first year. They've kind of established identity. It's really important to make sure people are bought in on the right way. Like with the Warriors, you already have Steph and KD and those guys bought in on the right way. You don't, you know, you don't have to worry about your culture. Yeah, uh, that, that's another good point. And to kind of, uh, and, and I think the Kings kind of got it figured out now, at least from a culture perspective. We'll see. 
Um, but I, I, Buddy Heal does kind of have that uh, clay. I mean, we'll see how he looks on defense, um, which I don't know how, how good he is. But he does kind of have that clay because, you know, with clay, he was pretty bad his rookie season. Remember clay ups? And he couldn't shoot either. Um, and it just it just took time for him. And it wasn't like clay played for, you know, just one season in college. I think he played for three, right? Um, and so a little bit of an older guy, but it still takes these type of players. Still takes them a couple years. Um, to even become average NBA players, so, um, and, and that's the cool thing with De'Aaron Fox, by the way. Um, I not to d- just go full Kings, although the the five people who care about this, or if you made it to the end of the pod, this for you. Um, uh, he is better than John Wall and Westbrook were in their second year. Like it's he just is. I'm not saying he'll be as good as Russell Westbrook or anything, but like because you know development's not linear. But he's definitely like he same style of play. He's better than them right now, and that's that's pretty exciting. Oh. All right, we we gotta get out of here. Russ gonna, Slander, <laughs> Russ Slander, and John Wall Slander to end the podcast. Just perfect. Just perfect. <laughs> All right. All right, man.